official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. So today, we get to look at Jesus' teaching on fasting. I was expecting loud applause and cheers and fists in the air. Yeah! Adam, tell us about what Jesus said about not eating. Yeah! Well, we're eight weeks into our teaching series, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in this famous sermon that Jesus gave, Jesus frames what it looks like to follow him. He discusses what the kingdom of God is like and what it, what it means to live a kingdom life. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 starts out with Jesus teaching on the practice of generosity. And then shortly after in the chapter, he moves on to teaching his disciples how to pray. It's followed by a brief uh, teaching by Jesus on forgiveness. And it makes perfect sense to me that Jesus would teach on these practices, generosity, prayer, and forgiveness, right? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it just makes sense that you would be a generous person, right? If you're going to follow in the way of Jesus, it makes sense that, you know, prayer would be an important practice because Jesus was, was a, a, a person of prayer. And so following him, of course, would, would imply uh, the practice of prayer. Forgiveness, Right? Jesus was nailed to a cross, and he's asking his Father in heaven for forgiveness for the people who are doing it. So it would just make sense that the practice of forgiveness is essential practice to, to do and to learn if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to live a kingdom life. But then we come to this next section in Matthew chapter 6, and it's a bit of a head-scratcher because in the next section, Jesus teaches about fasting. And we have to work a little harder to make sense of this one. And the question we have to ask ourselves when we approach this passage is, what does our relationship with food have to do with following Jesus? We understand the other spiritual practices, and we can connect those dots. We can be like, okay, yeah, prayer, that's good, good practice. Uh, Generosity, yeah, it makes sense that Following Jesus would, would mean that we're generous. Oh, forgiveness, yep, Jesus, Jesus would, would want us to practice forgiveness. And then we come to fasting. Our, he, he speaks to, of our relationship with food, and why in the world would that matter to Jesus? Well, as humans, we have a very complex relationship with food. Right? It begins when we think about, we think about where our food comes from. Is it, is it produced ethically? Where are we buying it from? Where is it coming from? What's its source? And then we have to go through and consider, do we have enough resources to buy healthy, ethically produced food? So that makes our our relationship with food a little complicated. There's also some of us here who have diabetes, hypoglycemia, blood sugar issues, right? There's some people here who have food allergies, which complicates our relationship with food. 
There's other, other, others of us who have struggled or are struggling with eating disorders. That complicates our relationship with food. And then there's those of us who overindulge with food because we run to it as a source of comfort, right? That complicates our relationship with food. Last week, I was in the grocery store. I was picking up a few items, and I was in the checkout aisle. And on the checkout aisle, off to my left, I saw this rack of magazines. And they were covered with the faces of all these beautiful people, right? Now, we know when we're in the checkout aisle and we see that rack, we know that those pictures have been airbrushed and they've been photoshopped, but it doesn't matter, right? We see them and they have a conversation with us. And the conversation is one of like self-esteem, it's one of worth, it, it, and sometimes shame. And, and we look at the pictures and be like, wow, they're so, much dif- they're so different than me, that they've reached the pinnacle of success, their celebrity status, they're beautiful people. I'll never look like that, I'll never achieve that. And so sometimes we buy one of those magazines, right? Because we've, we feel like, I'm on the in crowd, I'm with these, these are my peeps. I know all about them, I know where they're vacationing, I know where they're, they're buying their third home, I know... I'm, I'm, they're my people. <laughs> but if we don't fall for that, <laughs> we look across to the other rack at the checkout aisle on the other side. And what do you suppose we find? Yeah. Isn't that surprising? We find a row of high caloric candy bars. <laughs> and see, marketers are genius because they realize, they realize that you and I have a very complex relationship with food. And those two racks at the checkout aisle are having the same conversation with us from two separate vantage points. They're having the conversation with us about self-worth, about body image, right? About self-esteem. They're having the same conversation. So don't think for a minute that food has nothing to do with spiritual formation because it does. That our relationship with food matters a great deal to God. And so when we go to a a teaching like this that Jesus gives on fasting, understand that it tells us something about who Jesus is. It tells us something about the nature of the kingdom of God. It tells us something about ourselves and how we're formed by our approach to food. So here's what we're going to do this morning. First, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on fasting. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Then what we're going to do is define what fasting is and what it isn't, because there's a number of misconceptions uh, about fasting that we want to dive into a bit. And then finally, we're going to discuss how to practice it wisely. And for those with health issues, blood sugar issues, eating disorders, we're going to provide a few ideas to help you participate in the practice of fasting without giving up food. So you guys ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. 
And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus starts this teaching on fasting, and he says, when, when you fast, and, and he doesn't say if you fast, it's not a commandment, but it's an, it's an assumed practice, right? When you fast, when you go without food to interact with God, don't do it like the hypocrites do. Don't turn it, don't turn fasting into an exhibition. Now, Abby referred to this a few weeks ago in her teaching in, in Matthew chapter 6 on secrecy and prayer and giving. But a hypocrite in Greek culture was a term used for play actors in theater. Uh, what, what a hypocrite, who a hypocrite was, is it was a play actor that wore oversized masks that exaggerated facial expression. So that people who were sitting in the cheap seats way, way back at the theater, they could see the facial expression on the actor's face and they could de decipher and determine what role they were playing. Now, now, most Greek plays, they only would have one, two, or three actors. And, 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 and sometimes these actors would play different roles. How they would do that is they would switch their masks to portray a new role with a new facial expression. And so Jesus is telling them right from the outset when he's teaching about fasting, don't perform like the mask-wearing play actors do. Don't fall for it. If you've been following Jesus for any length of time and you've identified as being a Christian for any length of time, you've probably heard it said that Christians are hypocrites, right? Why is that? Why are Christians accused of being hypocrites? Well, it's because we're really good at wearing masks. We're really good at wearing masks. We think that masks keep us safe. When in fact, what masks do is they keep us from the, the, the most important thing, the one thing that we need, which is God's grace and God's help. Right? But we convince ourselves that we're safe if we just keep changing these masks. Right? And we, we in, a, in essence, push away God's grace and God's help. It's a fool's game. It just breeds more insecurity. And so Jesus tells his disciples, in the kingdom of God, people don't need to wear masks. I don't know about you, but that's liberating to me. Just to be like, yeah, yeah, God's grace is sufficient for me. I don't have to try to win the approval or gain a positive opinion from another person to get a sense of self-worth and identity because my identity is found in him, in his grace, right? See, whenever we play the mask-wearing game, we push away God's grace. We push away our identity in Christ. So Jesus says, if you, when you're fasting, don't do what the play actors do. Don't do what the hypocrites do. Put down the mask-wearing mindset. Don't make fasting an exhibition because God's grace is sufficient in his opinion of you makes everyone else's opinion of you irrelevant, right? It's his identity, our identity in Christ. So he tells them, stay away from this. Now, let's quickly define what fasting is and then look at what fasting isn't. I have a quote to show you from Dallas Willard. We've been showing Dallas Willard quotes every week. Have you noticed that? Somebody's reading Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard says this about fasting, that fasting is feasting on our Lord and doing his will. You remember the story in John chapter 4? Jesus and the disciples approach a well, 
And Jesus is tired and he's weary and he's hungry. And so the disciples go into town to get some food for him. And Jesus has this beautiful and, and powerful interaction with a woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman. And he's speaking to her about the kingdom of God and what it's like. And, and just, it's a powerful interaction. What happens in John chapter 4 after this discourse is the disciples return with food. And when they come back to Jesus with food, they tell him to eat. And Jesus says this to them, I have food that you don't know of. And they look around and be like, somebody fed him while we were gone. And Jesus says this, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Right? What's he doing? He's feasting on doing God's will. He's not eating natural food. He, he's feasting on doing God's will. Have you ever wondered why Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before launching his public ministry? Scripture tells us that he, he, he was baptized by John the Baptist and then went into the wilderness for 40 days and nights. Do you think it was maybe just to like detox, get cleaner skin, maybe drop a few pounds before launching his earthly ministry just for good PR and, you know, get, get, get all... No, of course not. He was feasting. He wanted to feast on doing God's will. He wanted to set his mind and his heart on what he came to do. Let me give you another definition of fasting, and I love this one. Fasting is the practice of hungering and being homesick for God and his kingdom. Let me read that one again because I love it. Fasting is the practice of hungering in being homesick for God and his kingdom. Why on earth would we practice being hungry and homesick? Why would we do that? We usually try to avoid discomfort at all cost. See, here's what fasting does. Fasting forces us to sit in our hunger and our homesickness and really, really feel it. See, we live in a culture, we live in a society, there's so much affluence, right? For most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, we can eliminate hunger real easy, right? We just go get some food. We just open our fridge and it's there. We open our cupboards and we have it. We go to the store and get it. Now, not all of us are able to do that. Some, they don't have the resources to, to avoid hunger, but most of us, we, we have the resources where we can avoid hunger altogether. But what fasting does is it invites us into this place where we sit in our hunger and we feel it because when we do that, we participate in God's perspective. See, when, when we allow ourselves to feel hunger and homesick, we, it reminds us that things are not as they should be. That things are not as they should be. Romans, the book of Romans tells us this, that all of creation is groaning. Right now, all of creation is groaning and eagerly waiting for God's redemption to be fully realized. And so when we fast, that's an invitation into that. It's groaning. It's really like, yeah, like, oh, I forgot. I'm so used to being affluent and like just fixing all my problems and going to doctors and getting medicines and buying food when I'm hungry and, and just taking care of my own. But I forgot that, that the world is broken, that, that it's not fully redeemed yet. And so fasting positions us to see this that apart from God, the world will remain malnourished. 
And it's not comfortable or easy, but it provides us with an opportunity to, to form an interactive life with God and an interactive life with the world around us. Now, there are three reasons for fasting in Scripture. The, the first one is found in the Old Testament, and, and it happened around a time called the Day of Atonement, otherwise known as Yom Kippur. And, and fasting during this season was used in preparation for confession and forgiveness and repentance and atonement. It was a way to humble oneself before God. So one of the appropriate ways, according to Scripture, one of the appropriate reasons for fasting is you may want to fast because you desire to humble yourself before God. That maybe you want to enter into a season of confession, a season of repentance, a season of forgiveness. And it can prepare you for that. There, there's been times in my life when I felt very far from God. How about you? I felt very far from God. And I knew that I needed to just have a day, just have an afternoon of, of just confession and, and preparing my heart, humbling myself. Because scripture tells us that God draws near to the humble. And so I know I'm smart enough up here, not always right here, but I'm smart enough to know that, oh, if I'm feeling far from God, I need to like, prepare myself. I need to enter into a, a season of, of confession and, and uh, repentance. And so fasting can prepare you for that. That's a, an appropriate reason for fasting. Another reason for fasting in Scripture is spontaneous response to a grievous event. Spontaneous response to a grievous event. In Scripture, you'll find people fasting because they're brokenhearted. There's just been tragedy. There's been a, a loss. There's been something that's happened, and, and it's just caused them to be deeply grieved, and so they fast. Have you guys ever seen something on the news that just deeply grieved you? If you've watched the news, you've seen that. <laughs> Have you ever just heard something that just really affected you and, and, it, and it kind of messed up your day and you're like, oh, it, that's grief. <laughs> we try to do everything we can to avoid grief, but that's what that is, that, that weird feeling. And, and it's appropriate when we feel that grief, when we've been grieved, when we've suffered a grievous event, that, that we fast. We engage the practice of hungering and being homesick for God and his kingdom right? We, we, it's like what Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third reason we find in scripture for fasting is to stand in solidarity with the poor and to loose the chains of injustice. Isaiah chapter 58, let me read a portion of this. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, God is speaking through Isaiah the prophet, and he says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from our own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. And so Isaiah tells us that, that fasting is appropriate when we just want to stand in solidarity with the poor. See, here's the thing. For, for, again, for most of us, this, 
most of us in this room, um, we, we don't really know what hunger is. We know what appetite is, right? But we, we, we don't experience deep hunger because we're affluent enough to kind of solve that crisis. But what fasting can do is it allows us an opportunity to step out of our affluence and, and just stand in solidarity with the poor and, and loose the chains of injustice and be like, yeah, the things are not as they should be. And I need to do something about it. And fasting's reminding me of that, right? So these are all scriptural reasons for fasting. Now, we also, to define fasting, we also have to talk about what it isn't. And there's three misconceptions to fasting that are quite popular that I want to just briefly touch on. Uh, the first one, fasting isn't strong-arming God to answer your prayer. Okay? A lot of times we think fasting is like we're going on a hunger strike against God. God, I'm not eating. I'm not eating a lick until you answer my prayer. I've been praying about this new job. Not eating. Take that. I'm your child, right? You want me to eat, right? Mm? No, that, that is nowhere to be found in Scripture. Fasting is not going on a hunger strike against God. Just out of curiosity, how many of you are taught that? <laughs> if you just got to prove to God that you want something, you go without food, forget it. I'm not proving nothing. I'm not going out of food. <laughs> it's not strong-arming God to answer your prayers. You won't find that in Scripture. The reward of fasting that Jesus talks about in this teaching isn't winning a hunger strike against God. <laughs> it's not getting God to say, oh, yep, okay. You know, I, you, you did it. You, you outlasted me. Here, here's, your, here's your prayer, your answer to your prayer. No, it's the, the reward of fasting is getting the opportunity to form an interactive life with God and with the world around us. That's the reward of fasting. Second misconception about fasting. Fasting isn't a spiritual excuse to lose weight, get clean skin, or change your body image. <laughs> When we, when we have that spiritual excuse to, in our motivation underneath is to do those things, we, we end up right back at the checkout aisle again, feeding that shame beast, right? Having that conversation about self-worth and body image and, and, and our relationship with food gets totally skewed. Three, the third misconception with fasting is it's not a spiritual badge we acquire to feel superior, and that's what Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. He says, when you fast, don't make it a performance. It's not a badge you earn. It's not, it's not, you're not on stage. In fact, go the opposite direction. Do everything you can to keep it under the radar. Because when you fast, it should be for an audience of one. Okay, now that we looked at, at Jesus' teaching on fasting, we've defined what it is and what it isn't. Let's wrap up by discussing how to practice it wisely. And let me start by saying this. Fasting food isn't a wise practice for children. It's not a wise practice for people with blood sugar issues, for hypoglycemia, um, diabetes. And it's not a good practice for those who suffer or who have suffered from eating disorders. But that doesn't exclude you from this beautiful practice. I just want to make that clear. If you're in one of those categories, you say, oh, fast, I've convinced you somehow, the Holy Spirit, that fasting is wonderful. You'll find out it's a little tougher than that. But, but it's a beautiful practice, and Jesus invites his followers into it, and some, some of us might be, I'm not sure that it's wise for me to do that. Well, there are other ways you can practice fasting, right? You can give up coffee, 
Put Vivid out of business. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Buy the coffee, put it on your shelves, and save it for later or give it as a gift. <laughs> Drink Vivid coffee. <laughs> Get the decaps. <laughs> you, you could fast social media. Right? Ouch. You could give up your smartphones. <laughs> do you know, there, do you know there's, there's studies that show um, that uh, millennials, especially when they're asked to give up food for a day or their smartphones for a day, they choose food? <laughs> because there's something painful. There's something. See, you need to sit with that and feel it. So you need to hunger and be homesick for God and his kingdom to come. Right? So there's ways that you can, you can experience this practice with, without um, fasting food. For those who can give up food, there are all kinds of fasts. There's what's called a full fast, which is when you're just drinking water. There are liquid fasts, when you, you drink water, but also fruit and vegetable juices. There are partial fasts. We read about this in the book of Daniel, right, where Daniel and his friends refused certain foods but ate certain other foods. Um, you can skip one meal. You can skip several meals. There's no fasting equation. It's, it's not, it, there's no formula that makes a fast a fast and makes it work. It's, it's about allowing yourself to hunger for God and to be homesick for God and his kingdom to come. And so ultimately, guys, I'll wrap up with this. Ultimately, fasting is just something between you and God. Um, that's what Jesus teaches in his Sermon on the Mount. It's nobody's business but yours. But it's my job as, as a pastor to challenge you to consider Jesus' teaching here and the reward that comes with fasting, living an interactive life with God and the world around you. And so what, what I want to do is just pray for us all. Will you pray with me? Okay, be careful. <laughs> Lord, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say that, that we are, all, every one of us, have a complex relationship with food and body image. And Lord, as I consider this teaching in Matthew's gospel, I'm also aware of, of this practice of fasting that you invite us into. And I pray, Lord, that you would just get rid of all the false narratives around this practice. Because you gave us this practice for a reason, because you want to enrich our lives. You want us to interact with God at a new level and interact with the world around us and have a heavenly perspective on our lives and on our relationship with food. So first I pray for everyone here who does have health issues, who have suffered and maybe even are suffering with eating disorder. God, that you would just bring encouragement and life to them. God, for those of us who, who we can fast from food, God, I pray that you would just have conversation with us. And that we, these words of Jesus could, would, would penetrate into our hearts and they would, they would deepen our relationship with you and our relationship with the world and our relationship with others. God, give us the, um, give us the capacity to sit in our hunger in our homesickness for you and for your kingdom to come. That's not something common. It's not something that we typically do in our culture and society. But Lord, um, we know that Jesus commanded it, God, so that we would enter into it and experience that.
that we would be reminded that things aren't as they should be. That would create uh, an interaction with, with you and with others in, in a way that we can't otherwise come to. So God, help us provide everything that we need to consider and enter into this practice. And we ask that this week as is, is you start to speak to us and we start to obey and take some steps in that, that, that you uh, would show and reveal yourself to us in a new, fresh way. And we'll, we'll again, thank you for, for Jesus' teaching here. So be with us, God, as, as we close in worship and spend time chatting with one another and catching up. And God, minister to, to our souls and our spirits and our physical bodies this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 